I hereby sentence you to serve 125 years. Have you got the right case? Columbia Pictures presents Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor. Should I have my head overhaul for listening to you? Together again in Stir Crazy. I can't feel nothing in my life. One's a little too good. One's not quite bad enough. They got this Korean doctor just set foot in this country. Make sure you don't get him. That's right. He's the one made the mistake on me. Korean. <laughs> How do you go? That's the cat did me. Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor in Stir Crazy. Only these two guys could dress up like woodpeckers and get framed for robbing a bank. Stir Crazy. That's right, that's right, we're bad. And welcome back to the Film Wheel cast. It's episode 163, that's right. And we've got a real corker today. We've got Stir Crazy, 1980, which means, obviously, we can't do an 80s film without one person in particular being there. And that's right, you've guessed it, folks. It's Paul. How are you doing? <laughs> oh, is it me? Oh, I feel so embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing, buddy? Yeah, I'm good, mate. You? Fantastic. Yeah, all good, all good. And, of course... We're joined by the very sexy, the very toit like a tiger. Neil, how you doing, buddy? Oh, I'm good, mate. Thanks. Always toit like a tiger. You obviously haven't seen me for a long time. Oh, I've oh. seen you, mate, on Instagram. Don't you worry about it. I oh. know what I'm talking about. Can oh. What can we say about Stuart? Oh, what can we say about Stuart? The oh, least just the the sexiest oh, man yes. in the world, isn't he? <laughs> Stroke point like a poindexter. Yeah. Whatever you say, you'll probably be under caution or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, Stir Crazy, 1980. And what a classic this is. Oh, my God. This is your choice, Paul. Tell me about yeah, it. it. Tell me why. Well, for one reason, we watched, uh, we reviewed See No Evil, Hear No Evil a couple of weeks ago. And I think everyone agreed that it was a great film. I'm not sure everyone had seen it before, um, but this is one of those films like See No Evil. It's just sometimes it pops on in the afternoon on a Sunday, you know, all through, you know, my childhood and, you know, into my teens and stuff. And you sit down and watch it and you might not see it for three or four years. And every time you see it, you see something new. And it's always funny. The chemistry that Richard Pryor and Gene Wilder have between them is amazing they're both cracking characters and the humor hits you from the second it starts to the second it finishes and you have ups and downs in it and a bit of romance towards the end of this film but on the whole it's an absolute scream so we could not do this one exactly and you love it on the whole so exactly i think on the whole everyone <laughs> got plenty of enjoyment out of this <laughs> you're never too old to do on the whole jokes are you you, you can't, know what I mean? you can't let it go it. though can you if <laughs> someone says it you have to do it it's just I know. <laughs> even when i'm in meetings at work you're and someone says well on the whole i just no, want to start laughing to. Yeah. <laughs> just giggling in your chair oh, it's so good it's so good i had a mouthful of water and i've got three laptops in front of me <laughs> it's never good it's brilliant. I love it. You squirted. But this is the second film these two did together, wasn't it? The first one obviously being Silver Streak. And then yeah. it worked so well. 
and then it obviously went on to a stir crazy and then you've got um as we they did the other week uh see no evil hear no evil mm. and obviously they did another film as well which completely bombed which was another you which was the like in a kind of way like the mysterious don't talk about full film which they made um which right didn't know that yeah i think it had a budget of around a 17 million i think it made about five million where and it's richard pryor is a place like a release mental patient and i think gene wilder's like a con man and people mistake uh richard pryor for being this really rich guy and they abuse that trust and it really really bombed at the cinema it mm. didn't even get the own money back, and the budget was only seventeen million. So have you seen it, Stu? Um, I've seen a clips of it on YouTube. Oh, where can um, I find because, it? I want to see it. Oh God, I'm not going to work that hard to try and see it. To be honest, Car boot sale. <laughs> but I've read the reviews about it, and there's yeah. lots of things on IMDb that it just right. looks shocking. But yeah, there are clips on YouTube. Yeah, it's called um, Another You. Still I think it's in 1991. Yeah, pretty sure it's 1991. But it was. It took, it took it, a yeah. while, didn't it? Yeah, so it's pretty shocking. But you can watch it on Prime if you want, but it's two pounds fifty. I'm oh, sure I can. I'm sure I can afford that. <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> you, you could, you rich <laughs> bastard. <laughs> well, two pound fifty. Ain't gonna break the bank, is it? Well, I'm not your bank. Fifty or chicken nuggets. Ooh. Exactly. Yeah. The Scrooge McDuck bank of. <laughs> bloody poor nothing will break into that i tell you but <laughs> i didn't realize that i've watched this film so many times that i never realized sydney poitier was the actual director of this and was he yeah yes. it's so quite incredible look. yeah quite incredible i mean it's i didn't know he directed so many films and he has directed a hell of a lot of films sydney poitier um i think this was his seventh film that he directed um I mean, obviously, a lot of the films he did, I mean, you're going back to 1976, 77, 63 uh, for the films he directed. I must admit, ignorance plays a part in this. I don't really know any of them apart from this film. But the cast is really good. Oh, before we get into that, just a question that the, we've all said that the chemistry is so good between these two guys. It really yeah. is electric through, through the three films, especially. And we've done other films where we've spoken about the chemistry and you've got rush hour you've got lethal weapon and things like that would you say out of the chemistry that we've done for all the films that is this uh these two gene wilder richard Pryor, are they the best or would you say that mel gibson i know they're different types of films but that feels the most natural enjoyable to watch who would you say lethal weapon you've got mel gibson and danny glover doing several films haven't you so do you see that chemistry develop over time is it you know does that sort of yeah. nurture over time was is it instant i can't really compare the two because you've only got what two three films these guys have done but yeah i know it's really difficult and obviously the one's police genre with regards to shooting and stuff like that but it's just i love this chemistry but and this works, it makes me, it's got a real feel-good factor. Mm. And again, but I know if I watched Lethal Weapon, I'd get sucked back into the chemistry of Danny Glover and Mel Gibson, Definitely. which was... It's different though, isn't it? They, they are, they are. I suppose actually, you, Danny Glover and Mel Gibson are chalk and cheese, as are Richard Pryor and Gene Wilder. They're very different characters. You know, you know Richard Pryor is the joker, the, the comedian, and we've got um, Danny Glover, who's... So, and um, uh, Gene Wilder, who's this soft, 
romantic who smiles and the women fall for him. Um, and he's kind of like the street man, isn't he? And you've yeah. almost got the opposite with the opposite with Danny Glover. Like Danny Glover is the street man, and, and and Mel Gibson's the Joker, isn't he? Yeah. Um, but I it's think, tricky, I think, isn't it? I think these two are probably closer. I think these two are probably gelled more because of their experiences. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because reading lots of different things about this and seeing lots of interviews that Richard Pryor was, I mean, he was the first guy to get, he got a million dollars for doing this. He was the first black actor to ask for a million dollars and get a million dollars for an acting part in a film. And apparently from reports that I've read, he was quite a diva and on set and it was quite difficult to work with. As in, there was an incident, um, I think it was like a watermelon, where one of the cast and crew were just pissing about and they threw watermelon and hit him on the shoe. And he actually ended up getting that guy fired from the set. And he walked off and said, I'm not going to carry on filming anymore. And had to go back and grovel for him to come back on set and film, which he obviously agreed to do. But it's just quite interesting. I, I like stories like that. You see him on screen, mm. you see the chemistry and you have the laughs and the fun. But when the camera stops rolling, I always wonder, are these people assholes or not what are they like yeah. to work with and how difficult it's it always interests me did they did gene wilder and and um richard pry have a good off-screen friendship yeah they did yeah they right. very close yeah really really so, good off-screen friendship so I, see, I have seen photographs of them off screen but like a photograph isn't really the story is it, it just no. tells a snapshot but yeah okay I could take a photograph of you working and people believe that you're a hard, conscientious worker, but little do they know you're a lazy bastard. The photograph <laughs> doesn't say nothing, as you quite rightly said. <laughs> yeah, where's my pen? <laughs> Stewie. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Stewie. Anyway, moving on. Asshole. Moving on. <laughs> so, on the list. Neil, had you seen this film before we'd done it? No, I'd never seen it. I'd never oh. seen it before. Um I thought I had, but watching it, um, I realised I've never seen it, no. Um, we, we built it up quite a bit for you, didn't we, I suppose? Well, well, yeah, I mean, this wasn't even out. This is well, Sorry, this was out before I was born. So this isn't something that I've ever seen. I've heard of it, but I've just never seen it. I've obviously seen Hear No Evil, See No Evil and the other one that they've done. Yeah. But I don't I don't recall this one at all. So yeah, no, I watched it for the first time the other day. Enjoy it? Yes and no. Um I think he had seen no even here no, he was a much better film than this. Mm. I've got to be honest. Um but be I think interesting. We, be interesting yeah. to work out why, wasn't it? Yeah. It's, no, I mean, go for it, mate, you're gone. No, no, it's just I think in certain parts of this film it just it felt overacted especially by Gene Wilder and I just I didn't enjoy it and for a long time I sort of didn't it didn't seem like it was going anywhere or, or what it was about and though there was funny bits in it and I'd certainly sit in there laughing yeah at certain points other points of it I was just I don't know it didn't grasp my interest as I'd hoped yeah let's put it that way no I mean it's going to be good differences of opinion then I mean I've watched this film so many times, honestly. It, it's just ridiculous. It was always a family favourite of mine. Mm. And um, my mum and dad just absolutely loved this. And my dad, bless him, just would watch this a lot mm. of the time. And we'd just laugh together. So it's, it's kind of quite nostalgic as well. And Definitely. The start of it is just really good. And I love the way these films are so simple. And they balance the characters. 
where you've got um, as I said before, I did it. The cast you've got Richard Pryor playing Harry Monroe and Gene Wilder playing Skip Donahue, um, and they play the same kind of characters in in Silver Streak and in See No Evil, Hear No Evil, don't they? To a certain extent, mm. obviously one's not deaf and one isn't blind, but <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't really work in this. But other than that, they're exactly the same. Yeah, other than that, they're exactly the same. <laughs> but the cast in this is really, really good. It's really interesting as well. Um, especially when they get into prison, you've got the homosexual black guy who's um, Rory um, Schultbrand, who plays Greg Stanford Brown. You've got Joe Beth Williams, who plays Meredith. And you've got an actor who's always plays is either a soldier or he plays like a sheriff. And that's um, Deputy Walter Wilson, um, who's played by Craig T. Nelson. You see him in loads of films, especially like the Vietnam films. That he, he's always in films like that, but and you've got Jonathan you know, Banks as well as a guy from Beverly Hill Cop. He always plays a baddie. He does. He just look. He's that weird guy with a cowboy hat. He doesn't say a lot in this, but he plays. Uh, nice, yeah, he plays like the, I don't know, like the assassin and like the right hand man in uh, Beverly Hill Cop. He's just he's a weird looking guy, and he he's one of those guys you think. I've seen him in something else before, but it's he, he's the guy you hire. Stu, mm. no, I didn't realise until watching this watching it this time that um, <coughs> having seen Poltergeist tons of times, that um, Craig T. Nelson and Joe Beth Williams were the parents in Poltergeist, and they were both yeah. in it, weren't they? Both in this and yeah. Poltergeist too. She's really good, Joe Beth Williams. I think she's a mm. really um, great actress, and she's another one who, obviously, back in the day, she was in a hell of a lot of films, and you. You just recognise her. Big name, big 80s oh, name. Oh, very much so. And you've got um, Ellen Van Liff, who plays Grossberger. And th- he's a really interesting character. And when you kind of look at his bio, that he's a really, really clever guy. Went to, um, I think it was Stanford. He's got his own computer company. He's a really, really clever guy. He was in wrestling. He was in the Moscow Olympics. He was wrestling there. Um I think it was the Moscow Olympics. And then he's, his family are all kind of opera, operatic singers. So when he was singing that part um, in the prison a bit later on, that was actually him singing it, which is really strange. Ah. But yeah, he's six foot six, an absolute brute. And yeah, it was, uh, he kind of come across uh, Sidney Poitier because he did acting school and he had the script. And due to his size, um, he got the part. And he also plays Dynamo in the running man he does yeah yeah and he sings in that as well doesn't he so he does he's dead unfortunately he yeah. died in the 80s as well it's tragic it's such a shame isn't it yeah, he's, only yeah, he's a monster seriously what when yeah. he died yeah. yeah wow that must have been just after running man then yeah 1987 he died so damn that's a shame and also yeah, that was the last film 1987 he did oh seriously yeah, yeah. oh that is a shame but you've got Tony Burton, who plays the Duke in Rocky. Absolute legend of a guy. I was so good to see him in this. I love this guy. But he's in every Rocky film, and he spits all over Stallone's face in Rocky Four when he's shouting out, throw the goddamn towel! So good. <laughs> Such a good film. I love it. <laughs> but yeah, watch far too much TV. But the start of this is really good, as I was saying. Mm-hmm. You've got um, Richard Pryor who's working as a, like a waiter for these posh people. And it turns out that 
one of the people has put his top draw um, cannabis in all the, uh, <laughs> all the ingredients. <laughs> yeah. And everyone there, all these posh people are getting stoned off their tits, aren't they? That ain't oregano. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> it's so good. And you've got this really horny girl talking to this vicar who's completely spaced out of his tits and he hasn't got a clue what's going on. And it's the look on Richard Pryor's face of when they're having a conversation and she's trying it on with him. Uh, I'm feeling something very strange. That's my leg. Hmm? Mm. You know, I've... I've never felt like this before. No, I'm... I'm... Horny? Mm-hmm. Yes? You know, which reminds me, you know, there's something I've always wanted to ask someone like you. <laughs> Do you get much? Not too often. Just an occasional glass of dinner. That's not what you meant. It's <laughs> 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 just brilliant. Yeah, it's just his expressions. It's just so, so good. And also, and it flicks between him doing that. And again, he's a really strange character. But when you've got Gene Wilder, who's at the store, and he sees this lady, and he follows her, and he starts talking to her. And the fact that she is so rude to him, uh, that he's laughing. And he said, oh, I saw you playing uh, Juliet in Romeo and Juliet in the park. And that you tried this dress on in this shop and you binned it and you've got wearing nothing underneath your coat. And the more rude and aggressive she is, he's just standing there laughing. Hi. Hello. Excuse me, dear. May I talk with you for just one minute? Up your kazoo. <laughs> Wait a minute, please. I'm not trying to be a pest. I know that you're... You don't get out of my way. I'm going to kick you in the nuts. <laughs> kick in the nuts. By the way, dear, I know that you're not wearing anything underneath that coat. What? I also know that you're a shoplifter. <laughs> he's, he's, again, his expression, the way he reacts to her, is just so, so good. I didn't get it. Didn't you? No, didn't get it at all. I didn't understand at all because there was no, there was nothing about the stolen dress was there at the end. It was just the next time you see him was in a bar unless I missed a bit of the film. I think it's because he is a writer and he's in plays and he sees her and the fact that it came across to me that he was a bit starstruck and he was quite attracted to her Mm. and that it's the embarrassing situation for her that she stole his dress and the fact that she's acting the way she is prompted him to react the way that he was doing it. Bizarrely though, he, he is a security guard in the, in the store. Yeah. So he's challenged her, albeit he's being polite and he's getting his face full of grief, but um, he got the sack, but surely she's been lifted by the police or whatever for, you know, he suspected that she was stealing stuff. Um, but he, he got the boot regardless, which was a bit, yeah, that didn't kind of work with me, but. Because no, you didn't see it, did you? And that's what you I did. No, no. And I was like, and then obviously they go to the bar and it sort of goes on from there, doesn't it? And he's like, oh, I got sacked too. Yeah. It's just, it was just like, for and me, why? because How? there was no, nothing, there was no payoff for me. And it was just all very yeah. odd and awkward. I found it. Oh, that's but, quite interesting. That's yeah. quite interesting the way we all acted differently to that. But as you said, when they go to the bar, they meet up and they've both been fired, which they give zero fucks about. But what's interesting, when they're in this bar, that they're chatting, 
on the table is a cantaloupe which is cut up in front of them and then what pub <laughs> have you ever been to where they've got a slice of cantaloupe on the table really for everyone to eat and who would eat it anyway i bet it's got piss and everything all over it oh yeah unless he's ordered his cantaloupe but i can't imagine i don't know if that was a was that a thing in the 80s that you ordered with a beer <laughs> maybe cantaloupe and beer yeah <laughs> paul you're old enough what was it mate <laughs> Hang on here we go let's get this right here we go you were born a month older than me, younger <laughs> <laughs> before me so i don't know Stewie. was it oh i've missed that comment <laughs> i missed that mate <laughs> let's not forget you're older than me oh thank you how could i ever forget that every time i know you mate you know every time i speak to you it's always brought up in it well only because you it's bring like, it up first <laughs> it's like vomit after a curry <laughs> sweet <laughs> But they, they do go to this bar where they, they chat and there's this really attractive Asian lady who's dancing by this jukebox who's got Richard Pryor's attention because she's wearing an incredibly short skirt, dancing very sexy. And it's great that she walks over and speaks to Gene Wilder, Skip, and kisses him and just says, come over to my booth, come and see me. And at Richard Pryor shouting out to her his name, trying to introduce himself. And she just doesn't give a shit, does she? And what is it that... I'd love to know in this what it is that Gene Wilder's got, you know, what the women love. Can you ever work it out? No idea. <laughs> no idea. No idea at all. Other than the fact he's really sweet and nice I, and see the best in people, I guess. I don't know. He's got this look about him, hasn't he? He's got this sweet, nice, innocent look about him. I think if I try to pull that face, I'd probably get in trouble. <laughs> but it's funny because you, you've got the taxi driver, Chico, and this businessman who comes oh, in yeah. who feels he's been ripped off. And as he walks over to to intervene, because they're talking about this town is full of scum. It, it's just a, a town of hatred. And he believes that he can go over there and defuse this situation <laughs> and make these two people friends. I mean, he's completely naive, isn't he? Oh, God, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like I say, he sees the best in everyone, doesn't he? He yeah. just thinks that if people talk, that everything can be resolved. <laughs> which is the opposite to what Pryor thinks, isn't it? But he did yeah. kind of resolve it, didn't he? He did kind of resolve it. He didn't resolve anything. No, he, he didn't. The nuts. Yeah, he had a yeah, but he released really his money. <laughs> he got his money. The tax driver got his money and the guy got his nuts back. It was nothing <laughs> to do with Mr Wilder, I don't but think. But that was funny. That was, yeah. that was a very funny sketch. That looks so painful. The fact God. that he's over there and he says, you don't want to hurt him and you don't want to hurt this man, do you? And you let's introduce yourself. And the guy's yeah. got beads of sweat going down his face. He's got his nuts and a bloody vice. Oh, can you imagine how painful that would be? Jesus. Yeah. Exactly. But, no. uh, but that's just that is a funny scene. I like that. And the fact he's so stupid, he doesn't realise what's actually happening. And he walks away, chest puffed out, that he's defused these two guys fighting each other. It, it's just ridiculous, but it's funny. Or is it? Is it funny? I thought the last one was funny, but clearly it wasn't. It is funny. It is funny because it's the naivety of it, isn't it? And it is the the acting of the guy with his nuts in the um, pair of pliers is brilliant. Yeah. When he's trying to say his name and stuff like that. It is is a funny scene. I I I can't disagree. Yeah. Did you think they decide to go away? And hit the road, basically, and make their money, getting away from the hustle and bustle and the the shit that's happened in New York. And I stop up at this bar 
And it's kind of like a cowboy restaurant, like a redneck place, basically. And I'm surprised that Richard Pryor is sitting in there. And you've got that, like a speedball, haven't you? And you've got these two guys on there. And again, everything's so quaint in Gene Wilder's mind, isn't it? That he can walk over to anyone and everyone's got a story to tell. And um, he believes that for some reason they want to tell him it, don't they? It's like he has a healing power that he's only he can... Is assessed as we know, yeah. yeah mm. so. But he believes shadow in that scene, though, isn't it? Where in he's what punching way? the bag, and you see the tattoo for the first time. Oh, you do, of course, mm. you do, yeah. Mm. And it's they're, they're the most antisocial guys that you can speak to. And did you, the fact he went over to him, did you feel that it was too much a repetition of the bar scene, or not really? It was almost like a build, wasn't it? It was just, just it was almost like it was. <clears throat> um, adding to his character, just showing a pattern of, of how he how he responded to people. I don't. Why did he do it? Why did he go over there? And not that being camp is a bad thing, but he acts extremely camp, doesn't mm. he? And he's in a redneck bar with two cowboys that are beating the shit out of a a punch bag. It just, I get it. It didn't do anything for me. You think it was to be honest, unnecessary? It, yeah, it, I I understood it was needed for the story. I just it didn't it doesn't make any sense. Because I get the impression that he's possibly never done a day's work, like proper work in his life, and he's quite educated, a clever guy, and that uh, he's the opposite of working class. Mm. So he doesn't understand how working class function, whereas. Richard mm. Pryor obviously does. And that's why he walks over to these people because I think it's a lot of fascination and thinks that these people have got more to them than working class because Richard Pryor's got several different layers, but these people obviously haven't, which he finds out. But it, it is a bit of naivety. But I, I think it mm. it kind of it adds to his character that he writes plays. That's what he does. Yeah. He doesn't work. But. Later on, when he's he's in prison, he's talking to his counsel. Um, she she says, "Oh, this is a, well, something like the, the kind of stuff thing, the kind of stuff that happens to the underbelly of society." He's like, well, "I'm not the underbelly." Yeah, you know. So he doesn't accept that he is of the same class or lower class, does he? No, and and even when they're there, what they do is they get their a job in a bank, which is just singing and promoting the bank, wherein. Um, woodpecker outfits so uh, and to him this is work but to everyone else this is just a shit job that you do for <laughs> that you'd be embarrassed to do but for him he, this feels like hard work because he i don't think he's properly done a day's work in his life and it's they do the song in the bank and everyone's singing the kids are enjoying it and the people are engaged and they're not really focusing on what their purpose is at the bank and then you see, as you do in loads of different films, because the audience is stupid, that they hang the outfits up and these other people grab it. And it's the tattooed guys that he spoke to in the bar, funnily enough. And they go and sing their song. No one in the bank's interested because we need to be told as a stupid audience, don't we? That it's not the same people. Yeah. And I always find that really annoying. I don't know the way you feel. I mean, why would they even have to do the sing and dance? They could yeah. just walk in there, couldn't they, with the outfits on and just hold up the bank. And how many times did they go in there to learn the song? 
Well, yeah, because I thought the whole point was I thought that it was uh, Skip's idea to do it. I don't. There was nothing. Maybe I got it wrong. I didn't think he saw a job advertisement. I thought his idea was that he'd make some skit up for the bank and get, you know, I don't know. Maybe I've got that wrong. So, yeah, how they load the words, I don't know. But Paul, what's your take on that, mate? Again, I don't know. There was no nothing to lead up to it. No idea whose idea it was. No, um, it's a bit strange, isn't it? It is, but it... it <laughs> Regardless of that, it still flowed. Oh, yeah, it still flows. And I was thinking about this when I was watching it again today, that I think in this film, obviously, there's been so many good prison films about. And they're all of a a general standard of, you know what's going to happen. You've got Mr. Big, you've got somebody who's either innocent and they have a massive character arc whilst they're in prison and they go in as naive and they come out really streetwise and strong and they get their justice but this film, I don't think you can take the prison side of it seriously. No. Uh, no I think can't. if you do, I think it's really going to ruin this film, I think, isn't it? You're right. Yeah. Well, you, you have to take this as a silly film because that's what it is, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's silly. It's just, I don't know, there's just a few. Not, I haven't got an issue with Richard Pryor's character at all, in a sense. And I get Gene Wilder's character, but I don't, it just it felt forced and though it is funny i couldn't i couldn't engage with his character i mean about 70 percent of this was ad-libbed by both of them they knew the direction i figured yeah Yeah, Yeah. i figured that yeah yeah it just just seemed odd yeah they very rarely stuck the script on this whatsoever after seeing them i've not seen the 91 film but after seeing the other films they've done together i think if you're watching this like Maybe not when it came out, but if you're watching this and have seen the, the other previous films, you kind of know what you're signing up to. You know it's going to be a silly film. You know it's going to oh, not, yeah. not necessarily be. Um, yeah, it's it's just going to be a hoot. Um, yeah. Those those two guys mm. pissing around, and that's what they do best. Yeah, uh, and that's what I love because they obviously these guys have robbed the bank. It's clearly not June Wilder. It's clearly not Richard Pryor, but they get arrested. They go back to the bank. And again, it's their naivety. The police are outside. Pryor wants to go, but June Wilder wants to go and find out what it is. And they get arrested, which leads to a scene which, I mean, as everyone knows who's listened to this. And again, I meant to mention this earlier, 50,000, over 50,000 downloads this month. It's been a, 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 another record breaking month for us. It gets bigger and bigger. And, I know I speak for everyone. We're all so grateful for everyone and amazed who listens to this podcast. So Definitely. if you're listening to this, thank you so much. Honestly, it's it, it's brilliant. But And I play the sound clips because I enjoy doing it and it helps people get into the podcast. And I could honestly play this whole scene when they're <laughs> in the prison or when they're in the, like, the, the county lockup because yeah. they're walking there. And and it's so true. And I can relate to this, that they have to get bad, put on a persona. Yeah. And it's just brilliant. It fucking cracks me up at how stupid yeah. two grown men act trying to be really yeah. tough. Yeah. We're, we're, bad. Shit. we're bad. Take your shit. <laughs> but you know the slightest little twi- twitch of anyone in there. They're going to be crapping themselves. That's right. That's right. We're bad. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's right. You don't want no shit either. That's right. Darn right. 
We don't want no shit. You understand? Uh, we don't take too much shit. Yeah, we take a little bit. We don't take no money shit. Damn right. That's right, say no shit. No shit. That's right, no shit. No, I'm trying to get. We don't take no shit. <laughs> and they do. Yeah. Everyone's just looking at them. It's hilarious. This we bad. What the fuck are they doing? It's genius. Bouncing along. Oh, man. This is where the chemistry is at its best, isn't it? This is where they're being stupid. You couldn't script this utter nonsense that they're doing, the stupidity, could you? The the walk. Lift your hands up. And when he gets into the cell, and all these people just turn around, and there's a mixture of, like, cowboys, pimps, gangsters, sitting down in this slammer. And they all just turn around and look at them. And then for some reason, Gene Wilder starts doing karate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah, he he annoyed me a little. This got a bit yeah. too much. But Richard Pryor's reaction to him pretending to be a martial artist was the best bit. Because uh, he's just yeah. looking at him at the corner of his eye going, what the hell are you well, this, doing? This, this goes back to what you were saying earlier on, Neil, that like, he was, it's, it's overacting. Or I think you, yeah. you might have said this. But it, but it's good. He's pushing. He's pushing the boundary, isn't he? He's, and that's probably part of their of their um, uh, ad lib. You know, it might have been that he just sort of decided to pop on and do that. You know, but um, it is pushing it. But still, it, it, it's an absolute scream watching him oh, yeah. do that. Definitely, it was still funny. It was just so random, and I just mm. felt it, I found it a bit cringy. And then I re- I noticed Richard Pryor, and it just yeah. it made it for me. Yeah. In yeah. the sense of oh, mate, the fact that you're instead of joining in or you know, whatever he's yeah, just looking yeah, at him like yeah, yeah. bouncing yeah. along next to him, thinking, "Fuck it, now what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll go with it. I'll go with it." Yeah. <laughs> it's just... yeah, yeah. And you do. Yeah. You always find, and I, I found this when I again when I watched um, Silver Streak and See No Evil, Hear No Evil. I love looking at the characters in the background mm. because yes, they look at both of these, <laughs> and in this part they look at Gene Wilder. Not expecting what he's doing, and they've got the same expression as Richard Pryor has, as if like, okay, I'll go with it, but I don't know where it's going. Fair play to them. No one laughed. I'm always looking to see if there's someone turning the corner up at their mouth, side of the mouth, but no one did. No, no, they stayed there, don't they? They Obviously, the director must have said, look, we don't know what they're going to do. Just stay in character. Yeah, balls and horses moment with that actually coming down. Do not twitch. Oh, it's brilliant! It's addictive viewing, and then you've got that guy who's a little bit bonkers looking at that fly, and which I can't even see. But and it lands on Tony Byrne. It lands on the Duke's head, and that's when Gene Wilder just slaps him on the head, and he turns around and goes, "Did you get it?" And he looks, and he punches or goes to punch Wilder in the face, and punches this absolute brute of a guy. Mountain. Oh, he's a monster. But. But how he responds to the mountain, his acting is amazing, isn't it? Just every list, every little twitch of his mouth and his eyes. And at some point he's sweating and he looks away because he's just that worried. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's trying to like, re- you know, because he, he, he ruins his, the guy's cigarette and like builds him a new cigarette, makes him a new cigarette and puts it in his mouth. Open sesame. But his, oh, yeah. Yeah. his manner, everything was just perfectly acted by him. But he says Sensamelia, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's yeah. just it's... and it took me years to work out what that actually meant. But it is great. And then he goes over 
to both Richard Pryor and Gene Wilder, who at this point are hugging and crying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that has cracked instantly. Yeah. <laughs> but I love the fact that Richard Pryor just starts trying to do that hard dance that he's been doing yeah. the whole time. Again, you know, yeah. he looks like he's shooting himself. He wants himself. a light. He goes, he goes, he goes, he goes, give me a light. And he goes, the man wants a light. He goes, the man wants a light. He starts like rocking his head. Yeah, he wants a light. So he lights funny. it on his chest. Yeah. And then, and then yeah. he says, you're a short ass son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> My mum was short. My dad My was so short. <laughs> My brother was so short, you couldn't even see him. <laughs> Just brilliant. And again, when he's saying this, look at Gene Wilder's face. Um, yeah. There's just a big smile as if he's trying to hold it back. And he, he is, right? he? Yeah, yeah. He uh, is. Just so, so good. And yeah, it, it, this is, for me, it, I, this is when it's brilliant. When these two are just put in these strange situations <coughs> and you think you know how they're going to act, but they go the opposite direction. And they find out that they're in the worst possible state when it comes to going to prison um, or going to court bank robbery and they do get really screwed over don't they and that's when we first see um joel brooks and uh the lovely uh joe uh joe beth williams who's how do you rate them as uh what are they solicitors are they or is that would you say they are or barristers or i don't know what they are but you only see him at the start, don't you? It's only yeah. him, I think, isn't it? Yeah. And he's the worst solicitor you can ever get. He just came straight, yeah, straight out of college. Brilliant. Thanks for saying that, Neil. I yeah. thought it was just me, but yeah. all he seems to know is talking about filing things, and yeah. that's it. <laughs> he's basically pleaded guilty for them, hasn't he? Yeah. Without having asking them. And he's like, oh, you know, you're not going to get away with it. You know, don't worry about it. We'll figure it out. It's <laughs> You've been been given 125 years. It's like what? <laughs> yes. And Gene's Gene's um expression, his response was fantastic, wasn't it? Oh, it's Whoa. so good. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. He says I'll be 161. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so funny. <sighs> and, and again, that that's kind of like. It's, for me, it's like split into three different acts. That, that's the first one. The, the the second or the the second third, whatever you call it, act is when they go to prison, Glenborough Prison. And again, I love this because it it gives an excuse for more comedy, and you get that, and you get the tropey prison guards who treat everyone like yeah. shit. Obviously, you're going to mm. get that, but you get the walking in the chains. It's the little things of how can you walk in this? And Gene Wilder's all about. This is against human rights. And he's starting to learn, or he will learn soon, that where he is, and especially back in the 80s, there was no human rights, was there? No. Uh, no, and he still thinks he can beat the system, you know, in talking to the prison guards, telling them to stop hitting him, and like eventually when he goes to see um, Barry Corbyn, who's the, the prison governor, thinking yeah. that he can reason with him. <laughs> Do you think that... Was naivety? Do you think that that was stupid? Where, where are you on the uh, with regards to where you stand with that? It's naivety, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, naivety. But it's also it is stupid because no, surely no one can be that naive. But I suppose that is his character. He is 
like you said, he's an actor. He's just he lives in his own fantasy world, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Because he um that's when they kind of they get a foursome in a certain way that um you get Rory Shortbrand who's the um he's kind of like the transvestite um like friend that they make and you also get uh, I can't remember the other guy's name now it's um Jesus Ramirez and it's the four of them who really kind of follow Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor through the rest of the film that night and they kind of befriend them in prison and it's a really weird mixture because you've got um Jesus who's like a family guy who's been in there. He's in there for bank robbery as well. And he says that they put him in prison for robbing 10 banks. And he says, I didn't rob 10 banks. I only robbed one. Like it makes a bit of a difference. (laughs) And uh, you also learn much to, and it's a really funny scene, much to his disgust that Rory is in prison for killing his own dad because he slapped his hand. And (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was good. Yeah, that was great. That's yeah. Yeah. The scene I didn't particularly like is when they're being taken to the cells. I liked when they were uh, had to do that sort of exam, didn't they? The aptitude test or whatever it was. And the fact that Gene kept getting up and was telling that guard off and saying that when he was a kid, he punched someone in the face so hard and all this sort of stuff. And yeah. But when it was going, when they were going to the cell and they start having those panic attacks, that's when I really, I, I just thought, oh, this is just too much. You you guys probably liked it, but it was funny. But I couldn't work out what their I kind of guess what their motive was. But you know, it's not going to change anything. So it was just, and that again, going back to their, um, no one else around them reacted, did they? So everyone just stood there waiting, probably not knowing entirely what to do, or being told, or or being told because you know at some point GY jumps to the back of that prison guard. They were just probably told just to go with the flow and they did um because i'm guessing that was down to ad-libbing and just met them messing around yeah it's quite interesting i must admit i'm kind of on the side of neil to a certain degree that it works with gene wilder you can understand i think any normal person who's uh the average member of society who does go to prison you would (coughs) especially a prison like this i mean it's like arizona state prison and they actually went and filmed in a real prison um and a lot of the towards the end at the rodeo uh, there are 200 extras who were prison officers and each day when the unit came out um they had to all walk in single files so they could be identified as production crew and actors rather than um prisoners in the prison wow. so they were working amongst actual prisoners in a prison <laughs> so and you could understand because uh, the fear but for, it did go over the top a little bit june wilder's works but when richard pryor did it um it was too much of the same yeah. joke you know what i mean yeah yeah but i suppose you you've got to put wilders <laughs> down to insanity to a certain degree of what he did because it was fucking ballsy wasn't it what jumping on the guy the prison officer's back yeah slapping the bat oh, out of his hand jumping yeah. on his back no yeah i mean it's, i don't know it just i got it but i didn't it just he i don't know i just didn't see the point in it i just i didn't see the necessity for it and it just seemed to go on like you said Stu for too long especially when Richard decided to just jump in and pretty much do exactly the same thing and it just yeah. I don't know it just it it didn't work for me at all that bit mm. it made me feel a bit cringy you know when you sit there and you watch yeah. something and you're thinking a bit, you're right. oh, it was a bit, a bit it much. was just that was you know but 
No, I completely agree. And from there, it, you learn about other characters in the prison. And when they're in the like the canteen or, or mess hall, whatever you want to call it, having their food, that's when you're first introduced to Grossberger, who, as we spoke about earlier, six foot six, six absolute monster. And everywhere he goes, he's like, the, I think in that state or that part of the Southwest America, he's like the, the biggest mass murderer, isn't he? Mm. Yeah. He killed loads of people with an axe or something like that. It just, And then he went to kill people who looked like him. And he just <laughs> killed random people after that. <laughs> he's um, just nuts. He's just a monster. And it's the look on Richard Pryor's face when Grossberger <laughs> walks into the, uh, the cafeteria. is uh, It's just priceless, isn't it? <laughs> And, that br- and then Gene Wilder looks at him and starts getting all soppy again and thinks he can fix him. Where do you stand on that, guys? I'd really like to know, because you've just been told that, obviously, you're in prison full of people, Category A prisoners, the, the most dangerous in that part of America. And the fact he's done it to the people in the um, the bar and nearly paid the price for that, He's done it to the prison officer, nearly paid the price. And to do that again, do you think it's too soon, too much was, repetition? I think it was superfluous. I mean, it's not even if it's part of his character arc, is it? So he doesn't even, it's not as even if he, if there's a payoff at the end where he's learned from it either way, is there? No. As far no. as I can see. So it was almost superfluous. Um, I think maybe that was, that was, Grossberger's reaction was important off the back of that. So you saw how aggressive he was in the prison to sort of back up what they'd said about his history. Mm. And then that led on to us when they, they sat down playing cards and later on and everything's fine with him. That kind of the payoff is there. You see, well, obviously that he is a, you know, he's a fairly decent guy. So you saw how aggressive he was off the back of how Gene was with him. Um, that's, the only, that's the only thing I can purpose I can see for that scene, because. Otherwise, like Neil and you both said, it's just it is superfluous and and yeah, irrelevant. Predictable. Really. Predictable. Yeah. That's yeah. I think it was just. I think that was just used for foreshadow's sake of the to raise the ante for what happens a bit later on when they're trying to be punished and the punishment um, set up or it's supposedly a punishment mm. set up by the deputy ward uh, Wilson who puts Grossberger in his cell, thinking that possibly there's a chance he's going to kill him. And I, I think that was the only reason they could have done that, isn't mm. it? Mm. It is, but that was also predictable as well, wasn't it? You oh, could 100%. just see that that was going to happen, you know? Yeah. When it, when it was introduced, so I'm going to get to it later, it was hilarious, their reaction to it, and it was, was absolutely brilliant. But it was, you know, I wasn't sitting there thinking, oh, they're going to get themselves murdered or kick the shit out of you could you could just you the way the film was going in that particular moment in time you could just see it yeah going to be an issue no it, it couldn't have been because these two our, our main heroes as they were mm. are uh, they're not fighters at all and it just wouldn't have worked but you soon learn the main motivations of the prison here and what's the main kind of character is that they've got a rodeo and every prisoner tries out for this rodeo and they go on an electric horse. Uh, is it, it's not electric horse. It's a, ball. it's a ball. That's it. And any of you guys have been on one of these balls that you see in these pubs that is kind of surrounded by like, all these kind of inflatables and it it goes around. I've never done it before. I don't know about you guys. I don't ride balls. Time ago. Yeah, I've seen you do it, Neil. I've seen those <laughs> videos. 
I've seen you do a few. I've not, I've not, I've not been on one. No, I'd imagine I imagine it's like riding you. <laughs> well, it'd be very short. <laughs> <laughs> I get thrown off in heats of passion. Yeah, it'd be very slow and short. I should imagine. I tell you, Jesus. But Gene Wilder being a city guy goes on there first and predictably gets on there the wrong way around has no clue of how to approach this thing and you learn that there's an annual rodeo against another prison and Greenborough hasn't done very well and Gene Wilder gets on there and obviously he's whether it's through natural ability whether it's for enjoyment naivety or pure luck he is amazing he and even the uh, the deputy pushes it up to the top level and Gene Wilder, it's been speeded up fantastically. Oh, hasn't it just? Oh, God, unbelievably. <laughs> and he goes top rate for ages on this ball and just doesn't fall off, does he? And the warden has got his man, or so he believes, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it it's funny. It, it's just Gene Wilder's face, isn't it? And, and uh, Sorry, Richard Pryor's face and the fact he gets yeah. so excited and starts slapping the prison warden and then realises oh shit I shouldn't have done that and (laughs) it's funny but Uh, again it's more him it's it's more Richard Pryor's character that I found entertaining in it yeah he he just thinks it's entertainment he's got no idea with regards to the rodeo and even the warden says that machine malfunctioned and that he just can't can't do it but yeah he's going to use him as a cowboy um and he's going to win. And it's unbelievable the fact of the other people who was the star only got up to level six. And he got up to, what was it, level 12 four. or something? They got to level four and um, Gene Wilder got to level six, which That's no one's it. done before. Yeah. Yeah. And it's quite funny. And it does lead up to some <laughs> some funny scenes. But they're, they're in the yard. And it's weird. Some of these other characters are, who you've got Blade, haven't you? who is not really in it, but he has a really funny line later on of when he's at the rodeo, talking to Richard Pryor about being a rodeo clown. But Mm. he's obviously got some beef with Richard Pryor, and I don't know what that is. Mm. Because he wants to kill him later on, basically, doesn't he, after the rodeo? Yeah, I've no idea why. And I, the only thing I could think of is that they think he's sucking up, or both of them are sucking up to the the governor. They do, they, mm, potentially. Yeah, they, they referred to, they referred to that, didn't they? they, they someone uh, accused him of sucking up to him. Ah, oh, right. Why then? That would explain it. And you learn from Jesus that the being in the rodeo isn't really a kind of a novelty as you think it is, because it's only about one governor, another governor having that bet, and. That they make the money themselves, nothing gets ploughed back into the rodeo, um, back into the prison, and the prisoners don't benefit from it. And I like the angle on that because it could have been different, and it wouldn't have been very good payoff for the film. But I mean, the pay- the end of this film is quite controversial for me, and that there's a whole lot wrong with it. Yes. Um, which I'm sure if we wrote it down, and we were in the same room that we'd probably all come up with the same answers, wouldn't we? But they tell him, Gene Wilder, don't agree to do the rodeo Mm. and hold back. And they already come up with a plan to escape. And they must have only been in here, what, three days? 
It's not been in there long, have they? No, we've not had a nighttime scene yet. We've only seen them go into the prison, eat it in the cafeteria, then go on the ball. And they're planning to escape. And they already worked out and sussed out this rodeo. And they've got the other scene with the prison um, governor who's put that bet on. And it's going to be for 50 grand, which obviously back in the 80s was a huge amount of money. I mean, that's probably pocket change to you now, Paul, I should imagine. But <laughs> that was his pocket money back in the <laughs> It's called dinner money. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just jealous because I wasn't brought up in a mansion. So, yeah, well. nor was I. It was bigger. No, it's a castle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you're fine with that many acres. It's a castle, darling. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> they really, really beast Jim Wilder and Richard Pryor. And they get him to do hard labour. And they wake him up at the crack of dawn. And fair play, Jim Wilder really, really gets put through the mill. And poor Richard Pryor suffers because of it, does he? He gets it as well, doesn't he? Yeah. He does. He doesn't crack, though. Fair play to him. When they're digging that hole, they're really doing hard labour. They've got the ladles there. And when it's their turn to drink, mm. sensibly, Wilder turns it down. <laughs> I wants it. And it's just got loads of holes in <laughs> And which leads to the scene of. And, I don't know if he's so expressive. So Sorry. He's so expressive. It's right. He's so expressive with that, with, yes. with the ladle thing, right, isn't he? His, his mouth is just. He just it's unbelievably funny, um, and that and then that leads up to my favourite scene. Go on, Stu. Because no, I go it. for it. You, you describe it, mate. Go on. So they <laughs> they go back into they go into the cell, um, and Richard Pryor. They're so knackered. They are so knackered, and Richard Pryor goes to reach for his bed, and he just says. Pillow. <laughs> I want my pillow. <laughs> just for some reason, ever ever since I was a kid, that scene, right, with his, I've looked for it on YouTube. I've looked for it on, um, like I was trying to get a gift to send you guys, yeah, um, on WhatsApp, um, but I couldn't find one. But just that scene where he's like, and he's just pillow. I he's want just they are hanging out I'm in there. tears. Oh. Every time I see it, I'm in tears. <laughs> but it, it's just the way after that hard day's work, they're going back to their cell and Jumar is refusing to crack and he's yeah. back doing the old karate. Like that. And he's buzzing, full of so much energy. And he sits on the bed in like the lotus position, uh, just med- like meditating. And the guards are looking at him and he's smiling, going, oh, she, oh, she. <laughs> and but he is destroyed. And it is a brilliant scene. And again, oh, they're woken good. up so early and they're trying to get dressed. <laughs> and they get uh... their jeans muddled up and they put one pair of jeans and they mm. both put their legs in the jeans. <laughs> it's as if they start shouting out that my legs have gone numb. I can't feel my leg. <laughs> I can't feel it. Oh, oh, it's good. Oh, and then they try and go for a wee, don't they? The same in the same um in the same toilet in the cell. Pissing uh, on me. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely ruined. And again, the, oh. I, I love the 
the kind of the situational comedy of this that they've got him strung up up in chains mm, mm, on the mm. ceiling and they let him down and it looks and it must be and i'm sure it is a really uncomfortable position oh, yeah. in like a star position yeah and he says wow my 11 year old back problem you, you <laughs> yeah, fixed it fixed this is brilliant it. thanks ever so much they, they actually go through a little montage of cruelty don't they with him a little <laughs> medley of medley of cruelty just to try and crack him and they, they, they and then they go and put him in a in a um isolation box yeah like sweat box. for sweat box for five days and when they open him up they say please just one day more i nearly I, i've nearly got into myself so good and it does it so well and they kind of think there's nothing that you can or he thinks there's nothing you can do until they go back to their cell you can't even make out what Richard Pryor is saying he's like please please help me oh. he's, he's wedged between Grossberger's chest and the, and the, and the, the bunk bed isn't he and it's oh, his yeah. chest is just being crushed he's like, yeah. and it's just I'm such a brilliant <laughs> scene honestly oh, it's brilliant. done so I left well. my wallet in solitary but predictably uh, yes. the guards come back thinking oh he's going to be splattered all over the cell or all this sort of stuff and they're all just mm-hmm. sitting about playing cards yeah, accusing Grossberger of cheating. Yeah, which was funny as well. Yeah. That's how well they've got to know him in that short mm. amount of time. Definitely. It, it, was, it, it was good. I, yeah, and I don't think they, I don't know whether you guys could think of another way they could have done this. I couldn't see any other way this scene could have been played out and worked. I don't know. No, oh, I can't. no definitely not. No, it, it was a like it was predictable, but it was brilliant yeah. at the same time. You knew what was going to happen, generally, definitely. but it was still fantastic. Yeah, and and as you said, guys, about being expressive with your face, when um, he goes to meet his kind of representation at, uh, the next day, that's when uh, Richard, uh, not Richard Pryor, Gene Wilder meets uh, Joe Beth Williams, who plays Meredith. And again, he can't stop looking at her. He can't stop smiling. There's that attraction there. And when she, and it's really funny when she's talking about we're related because well we're barely cousins. Like his mum was like can can dancer and obviously <laughs> shagged everyone. And, yeah. <laughs> and this is really well explained, and even he gets that look on his face as if like yeah you've said quite a lot that you don't really need to say already, but yeah, yeah, and it just works. And again, he talks about filing more motions. Which is all he seems to know how to do. I don't know what law school he went to. <laughs> the shit one. Like, he is awful, <laughs> isn't he? Oh, he's terrible. But she's going to get a job at a bank, Meredith is. Um, sorry, at a bank at a bar, um, like a, a tea bar to try and identify. Well, no, it was uh, a tattoo parlor first of all, wasn't it? She wanted to go for the tattoo parlor first. Oh, was it? Yeah, tattoo. And then she, she obviously, she ended up going to working at the um, the bar. Oh, yeah. She, She's going to check check out the um, tattoo artists, and then mm. that she reckons they hang around in the local uh, strip joints, and that she's going to get a uh, conveniently get a bar job there. And you get to the stage. Well, the, the other scene I forgot about, which is which is so random. Again, as you said earlier, Paul, it's like a montage of torture, where you got Richard Pryor, who they say, even though he's had his appendix out, they say they've grown back. <laughs> <laughs> he needs them out. <laughs> Why was this even in there? 
It was so random. <laughs> it was. I think this was to try and crack, wasn't it? Try and crack Gene by saying, right, we've done everything we can, yeah, Gene Wilder. Yeah, yeah. So, right, let's pick you on were his hurt. mate and um, see if they're cracked to protect him. And mm. that's kind of what happens, <laughs> isn't it? He's like, right, I'll do it. Just so you don't try and remove his appendix <laughs> that you've already removed. And you don't want the Asian doctor that's only just started here because he chopped off my nut. Yeah, yeah. Richard Pryor looks over at the guy opposite him and screams it's like, "What will they do to him?" And there was just some bloke, some bloke all bandaged up with a tube in his mouth, where they were trying to force feed him because he was on the, on a hunger strike. Yeah, mate. it's yeah. silly, isn't it? And he says, well, "At least I've got some humanity." He goes, "No, they're executing him next week." <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. But, oh, but, Gene Wilder goes back um, to the governor and he agrees to do it, but only obviously on the conditions that he can bring his own team. And thankfully, mm. he says they can. Otherwise, this film just really wouldn't work after that, would it? It would be a no. bit strange. No, mm. definitely not. And you do get, again, like more montages in this, but I like them. And again, when you've got Blade, who talks about the job of the rodeo clown, because... Richard Pryor thinks the rodeo clown is just someone who goes around squirting water, giving out popcorn and shit like that. (laughs) (laughs) When he finds out, and just the way this guy does it, and I've never seen him in any other films, that he's so kind of descriptive about how violent you are and you want to get trashed by this ball. Blade, you got to... I'm a clown, see? I I shoot the... Shoot the firecrackers and the soda water, and there's a little car, supposed to be like 10 midgets in it, we all get out. But that ain't no rodeo clown. A rodeo clown is the most dangerous job in the world. He's the one that gets closest to the ball. He gets the best of the ball. I don't want Hook to the left. Hook to the side. If the bull rider is in danger, he's got to protect him. Even if it means getting his ribs pulled out and being freight train. Freight train? That's right. Run over, just like a freight train. Only with a bull, it's worse. Because a freight train don't back up and finish the job. Later on, I'll teach you the proper way to lie on a stretcher when they come to pick you up. It's good. What did he say? You can steam train you or something like that. Is it steam yeah, train? Yeah. It's steam train. Yeah. It's just... Oh. Uh, and it, what, watching his face is a yeah, brilliant. <laughs> and then said to him, "Go on, mate." No, I was going to say, and then he asked him to. He said to him, "You need to find the word to to get that ball rolled up." And he's oh trying, yeah, like, the word. Trying to it? work. The yeah, he's just we... making odd noises at it, isn't he? <laughs> <Yeah. it? laughs> Barking yeah. at it and shit. Yeah. He eventually just doesn't think he's getting anywhere. He's going, "Oh shit, <laughs> that's the word." <laughs> This thing comes tearing out. And it's quite funny. I always actually laugh when you get like the the scenes where they're obviously they're gonna they plan to escape already, they know what they're gonna do. And you've got these people, you've got like Grossberger in the, the prison workshop, and obviously these are axe murderers mm. having looks like unsupervised access to <laughs> whatever they want, whatever tools, sharp objects yeah. that they want that day. Yeah. Yeah, it is a bit. It was the 80s. Yeah, it was 80s and A-team, wasn't it? It was such an oh, A-team yeah, yeah. moment, wasn't it? I'm surprised they didn't have the theme on in the background. <laughs> what did you think of Grossberger's singing? Oh, it was it was nice, but 
I didn't see the necessity of it yeah. <laughs> particularly. <laughs> Maybe you said I'll, I'll be in the film, but I want to I want to showcase my voice. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit strange, wasn't it? That mm. I mean, it's got a lovely voice. Don't get me wrong. And, yeah. And I, I I don't know. I don't know whether I always read too much into these films. And was it trying to show that the human side of him that because he never talks in it, does he? This is the only time yeah. he actually talks. And whether they were yeah. trying to show another side of him, I don't Randomly know. Randomly sing an opera. I mean, how how more human can you be? Yeah. <clears throat> it, it, it's, it's very weird. As I say, I don't know whether I was reading too much into that. But I thought it, I thought it was really, really nice. I thought it was quite a nice touch when you get these prison songs. I quite like them. <laughs> and, I thought, and I thought he did it really well. But as Neil said the other week, that I'm a massive girl when it comes to things like this, didn't yes, you? Yes, you are. Yes, you are. And that's still. And uh, for you, Neil, <laughs> you've got the booby scene in the uh, strip bar as well. Yes. Some tits. <laughs> <laughs> did that recharge your energy to carry on watching this? But it did perk me up a little bit, I have to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know me. Oh, well, I do know you very well, yeah. <laughs> and conveniently. Uh, Meredith sees these tattoos and realises that these two are definitely the bank robbers. But what I couldn't get, obviously, you've got um, the character, which was really strange. You've got Jack Graham, who is an ass kisser himself, who goes around um, with Deputy Warden Wilson all the time. I don't know whether he's got a prison cell, because he seems to have free run of the prison anywhere, doesn't he? Which is completely ridiculous. Mm. and they plan between them both it's they plan to kill gene wilder after the rodeo don't they mm. but how does meredith find this out that they're gonna die i've never been able to work that out <sighs> no i know i i'm i i the only way i can see that is just something that's been cut from the film because excuse me i don't know because she sees the tattoos and <clears throat> realises and she speaks to the girl, confirms it's those guys. So, bang, that's it. That's done. These are the two robbers. And we know that Jim Wilder didn't do it. But the only people who know that the, they've been greenlit to be killed or Jim Wilder has is only um, the two prisoners or the, uh, the the warden, the deputy and Jack Graham's character. No one else. Mm. And I don't understand why she says we've got a race to the stadium because they're going to be killed after. I, that's mm. just never explained. It's so bizarre. Yeah. And the rodeo. <clears throat> it's also, a really weird rodeo scene, isn't it? The, the whole thing of... They've built these tools um, in the like the workshops to escape. Thankfully, they built screwdrivers and spanners that are the right size to fit yeah, all the screws. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, it was you'd be gutty, wouldn't you? Yeah, because they're completely <laughs> enclosed as well, aren't they? They're not open-ended spanners or anything like that. They're no, exactly. To they the made, they made them out of the spurs, didn't they? they made them out of the spurs yeah. on the back of yeah. the shoes. It was lucky. <clears throat> lucky oh, they yeah. didn't. Build like a Phillips screwdriver when it was a flat one. Fucks, <laughs> oh, wouldn't they? Jesus, could you imagine? Yeah, uh, it would have been, and it, it did make me laugh. And it, they kind of have the rodeo, and you've got the two prison, um, like the governors sitting up in the uh, the stands, and all of the people who are prisoners actually are prisoners in real life. These are all the extras, the two hundred extras that come out of the prison, and the idea is that. Once they had their bet, obviously, as we spoke about earlier, and it ends up with 
it's in a draw. That's all it is. And they have like a showdown. They put 50 grand on this massive ball, which is totally aggressive and a mental monster. And you've got to get it off. And Pardon? <laughs> the one of them's got a pull, get pulled off. The Jesus. I know. Did, did we start watching a different film? I watched the extended edition. Oh, okay. Okay, okay. Yeah, right. it, it's on that one. You oh, know, in that scene, you know, we in um, see no evil in the car scene. We were joking about Gene Wilder's wig because it didn't look like him. That yes. scene in the in the in the ring with the ball from every angle that looked like Gene Wilder. It looked like he was actually in there with that ball. Did you think so? I was laughing today that it didn't look like him. <laughs> really? <laughs> God, yeah. Maybe I need to change my prescription. But so uh, no, I thought it did. Were you watching it on one of those eighties, like six-inch TVs? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! It really doesn't look like him. I, uh, what okay. did you think, Neil? No. <laughs> there is no way on earth. It looks more like. Hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. Oh, I see my glasses. <laughs> I thought it did. Okay. Fair, the right. really close-ups where they're clearly not riding the bulls, then yes. But yeah. when <laughs> it's being thrown, no. <laughs> <laughs> but so the idea is that, as I say, they it's a draw in the end, and they put this fifty grand on the bull's head, and whilst they're doing this, the, the member, the, the four, the, or three out of the four of them actually do escape, and. There's been no talk about plans, but they know where to go. And it's just <laughs> the escape is the worst part in this. And I know you can't look a lot into it because no. it's just for shits and giggles of why they're doing it. But obviously, we're a podcast. We've got the platform. We can slate whatever we like. <laughs> That's true. And we do regularly. And we do regularly. Yeah, we've got 166 yeah. other podcasts that you can listen to where that happens. But... It's. I would have loved to have seen a bit more about the planning of what's going to happen and how they're going to do this because they're climbing across like air shaft, like air conditioning units and stuff like that, and they seem to know where to go. And I've got no idea why. It's mm. bollocks, isn't it? Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, because doesn't doesn't one of them lead string around? Don't don't they? So the rest know where to go. So clearly one of them knows the layout. Because obviously the old school ones that have been there for a long time clearly know the ins and outs of this rodeo because they've done it before. Is that what he's doing? Leading string around? Yeah. I did not. I never saw that at all. No, I don't remember seeing that. I'm sort of swear he is. And then because they're unraveling the string in the cell, aren't they? What's the relevance of that? And then I swear he's leading string through it so they know where to go. Because when you've got you've got that um, the transvestite one who has got that kind of white wire, but he's holding that and that's wrapped up. Um, and it, I don't, I don't know. It, it's really weird because when he's climbing through it, it's still kind of coiled up in his hand. But the, the string bit would make complete sense. But I suppose then you've got the risk mm. of the guards finding it. I, I honestly don't know. I don't know. And I, I do like I saw it. the saw they make out of the broom head. Utter nonsense, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, it is, yeah. It cuts so easily as well. It's like butter. That <laughs> did make me laugh. You've got to be really quiet, but you're soaring through two bits of like four by two wood. <laughs> it's a great tool, though, isn't it? It's it is a massive I want to get one. You saw it up and then just broom it away. <laughs> she needs to patent that. We'll make millions. <laughs> yeah. It is genius, isn't it? A saw broom. <clears throat> but 
I mean, just looking at this now, you are spot on, Neil. It's a first time in about 20 times. Yeah, I can see that cable now. He's leading yes. everyone there. Well done, me. Well done, you. <laughs> Fantastic. Which is why I love you. Oh. Uh, that is absolutely brilliant. And you've got um, Jesus's family. It's his wife and wife's friends or whatever their family. Kind of outside with their... their like stand that they push along looking really suspicious because they only <laughs> ever put it one place up against the wall and they climb out and they're in this kind of the they climb inside this stand and they're wheeled to like a caravan and you've got richard pryor who ends up dressing like a cowboy who looks really suspicious and the transvestite dresses up as a woman and they lock both the bathrooms whilst this is happening of a rodeo with loads of police and prison guards <clears throat> and loads of yeah. prisoners yeah, convenient, isn't it, that no one tries to come in to use the lavatory while they're getting changed. And there's not a queue outside either when they leave. Yeah, and no one's but, asking questions. It's, no. Yeah, they've kind of just concentrated on the story rather than the actual actions yeah. of what's happening and the build up to it by now. Just a little bit. <laughs> they must be thinking there's 18 minutes left of this film. Let's just fucking crack on. Yeah, and let's just wrap do it. this up. Let's, let's get to up. the end. Hence why the end is what it is, I think. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and he lets this other guy from the other prison. Uh, and I love what he says to him about the conversation and when people say you're an ass kisser and the way he's trying to twist his mind of saying, mm. well, I'm not an ass kisser. He goes, I didn't say you're an ass kisser. It's just what people have said, because we're the idiots here who's doing this for the wardens when they get the money and no one else profits. And he tells mm. him, you get the money and chuck it in the crowd. And I was, I like the fact that he actually did it. The other mm. guy gets it, yeah. stitches him up. And then he throws 50 grand into the crowd by the prisoners. Not that it's going to go very far because they're all going to end up going back to prison anyway. Yeah. Getting searched yeah. the way in. And I don't, yeah. Go on, mate. I don't see the necessity other than to say, screw you, warden. But quite frankly, why would this guy from another prison who's clearly been doing this rodeo for years because he's like been six year in a row champion or whatever fuck up his own good life in prison just for this crazy weirdo that he's just met yeah it's really strange isn't it it is Why, you know if you just met someone and you're, you're a convict and you're clearly going to be inside for years and years and someone turned around oh why didn't you do this yeah that's a good chat that's a fucking brilliant idea you know i'm just going to screw myself over for you yeah no because it would have been better if Gene Wilder would have won it and then yes. he would have escaped. But I suppose it was to take, maybe it was, I mean, he didn't want to win it. So the other guy it took the heat off him, I guess, because if he threw the money into the crowd and won it, and then they would have been rushing after to kick his ass, wouldn't they? It's a so, good distraction for Gene Wilder, yeah. wasn't it? <clears throat> yeah, it, it made no sense because you would never do it. But. It was a good, like you just said, it was a good distraction for him to get away with it. Yeah. And while they do that, as you said, Gene Wilder does escape and he follows the same path because as Neil fantastically <laughs> and thankfully pointed out, there is string there so he knows where to go. God, in 1980, I've started watching this film and it's 2021 and I've just found that out. This is why I love doing the podcast for you guys. Honestly, it's so, so good. I'll find out about Darth Vader being the father of Luke Skywalker soon, possibly. <laughs> Allegedly. What? 
<laughs> I know, I know. We'll talk about it after the podcast. I know. Please don't. But Gene Wilder escapes. So that's all of them have gone. You've got Jesus, Gene Wilder, um, Richard Pryor's gone, and uh, now you've got Rory's gone as well. And they all escape, and they make and they make it back. And as they're on their way back, they cross paths with um, both of their solicitors, who's after them, obviously concerned that they're going to be killed when it's somehow they know that it's <coughs> never disclosed. And at the end of it, they all go their separate ways and they meet um, their counsel. They meet <clears> Meredith, <throat> um, who's being driven, who doesn't seem too impressed about it. They meet Len as well. And she says that we found the girls. We know you didn't do it. Um, the girls who identified these two bank robbers and that you're free. But they're not, are they? No. That's the massive thing about this, that she says you're free to go. You've been exonerated. Um, no one's decided this apart from mm. the solicitors. <laughs> yeah. And you've escaped prison. Yeah. And you've let two other convicts who were murderers <laughs> escape prison. Yeah. But drive off. Carry yeah. on. You're free. And it's, yeah. I found this. I was just yeah. watching it going, what <clears> the? <throat> I mean, obviously, 1980. Was it different, the law in America then? I doubt it. I doubt but, yeah. it. Uh, it was, yeah, they clearly needed to wrap this film up, didn't they? And fast, because yeah, it's, it's really strange, isn't it? That, yeah, because yeah. a, it's not explained how she knew they were going to die. B, that they are escaped convicts in that, as we know, mm. that in their mind they were aware they were committing that offence, so they've committed that offence, and until yeah. they're exonerated by the same that judge or whoever who put them in prison. They're, they're still on the run. And it's just, it's such a weird ending, isn't it? It's really mm. strange of all the things they did. I mean, how how they could have done it a different way, I must admit, I don't know off the top of my head, but of all the ways, this was I think, bollocks. I think it would have been good if they said, look, you're free, we need to get you back. And basically see a very, I don't know, a sketch of them going back into the prison or, or into the rodeo and not getting caught. Or something like that, and then mm. them being released from prison or something, and he then meets up with her or what have you, and they all drive off into the sunset. Granted, it would have added an extra ten minutes to the film, but it would have given it a lot more credibility. Even mm. a short scene with the uh, with um with with the, the two solicitors in the courtroom, where it's actually yeah. you've, you've got you've got it confirmed they are actually free, and they go and get they go to give them the message. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, and, yeah. and, how, and how do they know to find them at the radio? Radio again? I don't, honestly, I don't know. No, no. It, it's because they never spoke about the rodeo, did they? In all the meetings no. they had, they never spoke about it. Like they never spoke about the murder. And I think you're right, guys. That, that if they would have gone to the courthouse and forget about the murder part because that's nonsense, and just the judge said, "Bang, stamp a bit of paper, whatever mm. they do, they're free. You're exonerated, you're free." And she takes that bit of paper to him and gives it to him and says, there you go, you're free. That mm. would have, I think you're right. I think mm. that would have worked better than the fact that I've just decided you're free. I've done my own investigation and <laughs> now let's drive <laughs> off into well, the sunset. When they, when they drive off into the sunset, there's still the uneasy feeling inside you. Are you thinking, they've wanted men. <laughs> they yeah. have escaped from prison. Yeah, they have aided and abetted two other convicts to yeah. escape <laughs> quite happily. It's, unreal isn't it you know that as soon as they go to 
go into a bank or something like that, they're just going to get nicked instantly. To yeah. say, oh, by the way, yeah, you've uh, escaped prison and let two other, you know, you help aid and abet two other people leave yeah. escape. It's just it's mm. nonsensical. But there again, yeah. like we said, I think that by this point they probably just, you know, what we just need to wrap this up, and they yeah. sort of mm. forego those sort of points that people look at. But maybe people looked at, yeah. Maybe uh, people looked at things differently back then. I don't know. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I think you're right, mate. I think it was like a fairy tale ending where yeah. let's sort of think about how wonderful it is rather than try and explain it, think mm. about it. And it, obviously it must have had that good impact because with the, the cheap budget that it was, it ended up making $101 million um, really? back in 1980. Absolutely huge film. That's so massive. Mm. Yeah, it's absolutely insane. And I should imagine through video and DVD and things like that, it's gone on to make possibly much more than that. I mean, I bought this from Amazon ages ago. So, yeah, um, yeah. Well, that's absolutely incredible. But but yeah, so that is um, 1980s stir crazy. So, Paul, tell me, what are you thinking? Love it still. I mean, you've got the technical issues, <clears throat> technical um inconsistencies throughout throughout the certainly the latter part of the film um and yeah all the points that everyone's mentioned about you know there's overacting a bit here and there and the other but at the end of the day it gets dark no at the end of the day it's still (laughs) it's still it's still a cracking film you know and it's an easy watch and we we sit and watch it to to critique it but i've seen it a ton of times before um, I've watched it the other day, um, and that's just purely for enjoyment. To you know, to sort of like suck up all the humour and the, the two characters that Richard and 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 Jean portray, and yeah, they're great. So I thoroughly enjoy it. Excellent. Out of um, five, what would you give it, my friend? I'd probably give it. Uh, I'd give it a safe four. And you've seen the three films now, so how would you rate these three films? With regards I would to say, Silver Streak. I've okay. seen it with Bohino here on this one. Oh, Silver Streak. Silver Streak's a long film. Um, more of a mystery, isn't it, Silver Streak? Yeah. It's like, it's like a murder mystery on top of yeah. it, on top of a comedy as well. I would say um, See No Evil at the top. Then I would say... Let me think. Silver Streak. I'd probably say Silver Streak is my least favourite. I'd say, yeah, I'd say, um, See No Evil at the top, Stir Crazy, and then Silver Streak. Ah, first play. A fair play. Um, Neil, what about yourself, my friend? Um, yeah, like I said, I I struggled with this in parts. I can I can get on board with it because it is what it is. It is these two guys being nuts mm. in a really ridiculous sort of situation which it is but yeah i think yes i did enjoy it um i have to be honest i had to watch it in a couple of parts because i was just a bit it was one of those days when i sat down to watch it and i just couldn't get into into the flow but since we've been talking yeah. about it it's really made me appreciate it a bit more to be yeah. honest um but yeah i'd recommend it i wouldn't I wouldn't go into it thinking, oh, my God, this is going to be hilarious, because I think it does fall down in a few areas like we spoke about. 
the overacting, the massive plot holes and stuff like that. And it's fairly predictable um, in places. But that being said, it still has some absolutely hilarious parts in it. And the jokes are brilliant. And I, and I was sat there actually laughing out loud. It was it was good. Um, I'd probably give it a three out of five. Um, no, that's fair. To be fair, I don't think it's their best work. I think it's it's up there, but see no evil, hear no evil is just so much better than this. Um, yeah. It for me, um, but yeah, I, I think you should watch it if you're a fan of these two. But if you're not, then there's not much point. If you see yeah. what I mean, I don't think it's aged well. No, it's dated hundred yeah. percent. It's dated definitely. I think. I reckon that if you think about the, the, these two characters with the, um, and their comedy, I reckon there's a bunch of scenarios, sticky scenarios that they could have been put into um, that would have made really good films back in the 80s. You know, for them to make three films and nothing until 91 together, yeah. I think there's a bunch of things, scripts that could have been written for them. Um, similar characters, but the, the humour worked, didn't it? So I it, just it, think... It did, but can you have too much of a good thing? And yeah, I, think, I don't, I don't, I don't mean like flood the market with it. I mean just like mm-hmm. the odd, you know, a couple of films, just in different scenarios, different situations, maybe. Maybe, um, maybe it's just me being greedy for more, more of their, more of their humour. I don't know. There's yeah. nothing wrong with that, is there? There's nothing because it is. If you enjoy it and and they are good together, there's nothing wrong with it. But it just, my fear yeah. would be it would just be the same two yeah. people doing very similar things in just a slightly different situation and probably for them both they probably thought we want to be more than that yeah yeah if you see what i mean yeah potentially what about you Stu? what did you think um yeah i love this film it, it, it's hard to it kind of you have to distinguish from the nostalgia to when you're actually <clears> doing it reading it or uh, watching it sorry and yeah. i love this film it has dated a hell of a lot but i love the stupid humor i think they work together so well it's a lovely, easy film to watch. It's like a Sunday afternoon film yeah. that you can just sit and watch and you can go out the room and play on your phone or whatever you do and it will just still keep you amused. Mm. Um, I, th- I don't think it's as good as seeing it over here, no evil. Uh, I thought it would be because I hadn't seen it for a long time, but definitely the um, what we did the other week was a stronger film mm. uh, with this in second place and probably Silver Street before that. But I'd give it um, a four out of five and I'd recommend it. And it's just a nice film to watch. I love these two together and the chemistry. And it's a film you can dip in and out probably every year if it was on the. I'd watch it if, if I was flicking and I'd come across it. But yeah, it's a nice film, good moments. And the stupid humour when you're going into prison doing the karate, being bad, I love that. Mm. And it's just something I can watch again and again. And the bad bits. Are just some of the bits, the plot holes, when you really look into it, as we spoke about at the end in depth, that they did still break the law and they would get arrested. <laughs> and the escape from the rodeo is just so over the top and convenient. But they're just kind of plot drivers to for a next gag that's going to happen. But I love it. I'd recommend it. Um, it would come with warnings that it is old and it has dated, but I'd quite confidently recommend it. But yeah, it's good. So On Netflix. 
yeah available on netflix in the uk um at the moment i don't know how long but next week we are doing something very scary for paul we are leaving the 1980s we are going to 1999 <laughs> we're talking best bits, worst bits yes you best bits worst bits you what did? for that film yeah i did you did? Okay. Yes. Oh my God! It makes such good listening, doesn't it, <coughs> young Honestly, man? Not I'm not going to repeat it again. I, I didn't, Thank I didn't you. My best bits, worst bits. I'll go on then. If it really means that much, yeah, go on it does. then. Yeah. Best bit pillow. Worst bit. <laughs> <laughs> worst bit plot hole at the end. Yes. There you go. There you go. I was expecting more than that with the like the, the tantrum you had beforehand. No, I'm, I'm a happy man I now. What my say? I'm a happy man <laughs> now. I'll get okay, my butler you. to send you a movie now. <laughs> Nanny, <laughs> Nanny, <laughs> Stuart, stop playing. <laughs> Brilliant. But, as I said, we are leaving the 1980s. We are talking Lana Wachowski, we're talking Lily Wachowski, we're talking Neo, Morpheus, Trinity, Agent Smith and Cypher and the Oracle. That's right, we are doing The Matrix and I am so excited. It's your choice, Neil, mm. and a brilliant choice. I cannot wait to to watch this film again, to look at um, the bottom of Carrie Ann Moss when she's swinging on that rope. <laughs> <laughs> and and we haven't done this film. We've been doing this podcast for 14 years and we haven't done this film. And I'm so pleased that we can do it. Hopefully James will be back. Hopefully Rav will be back. We can get all five of us to talk about this film because it's groundbreaking. And, yes. and there's so much to talk about. It's everyone just listen next week. Tell your mates about it. Watch The Matrix. Uh, it's just going to be so good, isn't it? What What is it on, Neil? Is it on Amazon or is it on uh, Netflix? I think, <clears throat> excuse me, I think it's on um, it's on Prime, so it's on Amazon. Amazon um, Prime, fantastic. Yeah, because <laughs> I think as well they I saw today on Twitter that they've announced Matrix Four, so that'll be interesting. That will be interesting. Probably even harder to understand than uh, <laughs> Matrix Three. I I hope which made me feel like a complete dick, but I can't wait next week to talk about this. It's just going to be really interesting. It's going to be good because, Paul, have you seen The Matrix? No. My um, understanding of Matrix was Dot Matrix, and that was back in the 80s. No, I can't dot, wait. I knew you had seen this Dot film. Matrix. I reckon yeah, I'm about looking forward to it. I'm looking forward 90% to it. of the population have seen The Matrix. Yeah, definitely. And Paul, who lives and visits cinemas where they still play the piano at the start and <laughs> hasn't seen this. Oh, it's going to be so good. I used Why to have this that? slide phone in this film when Did I was you? working. Yeah, I, I always wanted phone. one of those. Man, oh, it's sick. Seriously, it's proper yeah. good. But yeah, I'm I'm buzzing about this. This is so Looking good. So next week, it's 1999, it's The Matrix, so be there. But has anyone got anything else they want to say at all before we put this podcast to bed? No. No. Thank you. No, it's been thank a pleasure, you, as always. And like Stu said earlier, thank you for everyone that listens to us. We do really, really, really appreciate it because yeah. we do know we talk a lot of shit. So the Definitely. fact that you like listening to us is fantastic. So thank you. Definitely. And check out the YouTube channel. It's the Film Real Cast. Um, all the podcasts we do are on that YouTube channel. Um, there's a few other things if you like the Cobra Kai and if you like 
Mandalorian, um, if you like Falcon the Witness Soldier, there's lots of separate Marvel things on there as well um, that we've spoken about. So check that out and subscribe, and that will be absolutely amazing. That's growing as well. But Plus, you get to see Stu's face and fuck his bit. <laughs> there's so, a <laughs> so you can rub one out while you watch him and listen to him. It's, it's so just I'm a winner. I'm pleased to say I've lost three stones since I've actually been on video and done this. So... I'm not interested anymore now. I'm three stones lighter now, honestly. And that doesn't involve cutting any of my appendages off to actually do that. So What? Are you talking about your cock again? <laughs> Jesus, no. <laughs> but that, on that wonderful note, we'll end it here. Thanks everyone for listening. Come back next week, as I say, we've got the Matrix. Take care of yourself. And I hope you've enjoyed this and uh, we'll be back very soon. Goodbye. Down in the valley, the valley so low, hang your head over, hear the wind blow, hear the wind blow, love.